I'm very excited about this sermon series. Uh, I want to talk about what it's like to be in Christ and what it's like to be in his kingdom. For you and I to find our role in Christ and our personhood in Jesus and then to find our place in his kingdom. Being in Christ and in his kingdom are a big deal for us. It's strange to me that so many people don't quite fully understand what it means to be in Christ and it's pretty foundational to everything that we believe. So I'm, I'm, I'm jazzed about this series and we're gonna be looking into some of those things. I'm gonna tell you this weird sci-fi fish story because it's the best I could come up with in terms of, there's this little boy and his parents bought him a whole bunch of little fish and he had them in a bowl. He went running into the, the restroom and he tripped and fell and the bowl fell down and crashed and smashed and little fish were all over the floor except one bounced up and right into the, clo- right into underneath the faucet underneath the, the basin and there was a little indentation right there, a depression in the board from a, a drip that, from the old rusty pipes. And there was a little bit of water stuck in there and this little, this little fish flopped his way in and stuck his head in the water. There wasn't much, it wasn't enough to get his whole body in but at least he could breathe, right? And so here's this little fish and all his little brothers and sisters died because the little boy didn't have time to pick him up. So when the parents came in, they swept up all the broken glass and all the dead fish and they mopped up the floor and they didn't realize this little fish had found his way in behind. And this little fish eked out in existence with his head stuck in the water and his body on the dry board. And he would flap around, obviously very hungry. Cockroaches came and nibbled at him, didn't like it. Body became very dry. His back, every time he flapped, trying to get his head closer in the water, started to bleed. The flies would come and pick at him. He uh, sort of survived by biting little pieces off cockroach legs when they came near him. Not a good way to live. Spent a month like that. Occasionally, some water would drip from the faucet, from the rusty, horrible, muddy, slime-filled water, and he lived his life. But pretty much that's all he got used to. And he thought, this is living. I have my own place. Yeah. Until one day, he was found. And somebody picked him up and put him in an aquarium and suddenly found out what he was born for. A completely different place, a completely different world. No longer having to hate and fight and uh, bite. No longer out of his element, no longer a foreigner to his design. Suddenly uh, in a beautiful place where everything worked. Now he found out what his tail was for and what his fins were for. And he was amazed that he could just glide around, that food drifted in and out lazily and you could eat as much as you want. You didn't have to fight or bite. He was no longer a warped caricature of who he was designed to be, but now in his element and finding his space in the world. The simple truth is that when God designed humanity, he always designed us to be in Christ in relationship with Jesus. He never, ever purposed mankind to be out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And when Adam and Eve sinned and turned their back in rebellion and mankind entered this warped caricature of life, because he said, in the day that you sin, you'll die. And when they sinned, they did die. They were separated from the life of God. And now mankind lived out this warped, out of context, broken caricature of what God had designed and we eked out of resistance 
as the scripture says, hating and being hated by one another, fighting, bleeding, not in our element. And so humanity's plight banished from the life of God, fighting desperately for survival in blood and anger and desperation, depravity and shame. And then Jesus came into our life. And we hear the gospel and we believe. And we're introduced and inducted into Jesus. And an entire new nature and an entire new environment is ours. I want to talk about what it means for you and me to be in Christ and what we're supposed to do with that beauty. Begin this series with that in mind. Being in Christ is an amazing state with incredible benefits. The word Christian, to be a Christian, is only found three times in the, in the New Testament. But this concept of being in Christ or in Him or in Jesus occurs 164 times just in Paul's writings. Right, So you, you get the sense of we, we, have, we have taken this life and we've spoken a lot about being a Christian. And Paul speaks about, never mind that, Paul speaks about who you are in Christ. And that's a, that's a, that's a shift change that needs to happen. Understand that the most common description of you is you are in Christ. You're not a Christian. The most common description that the scriptures, when you come to faith, says you're, you're in him. That's, that's great. You're, you're in Christ. Very, very celebrated place. So it's very important to understand. It's very important to understand that we enter this state of being in Christ by faith, not by adherence to commandments. The phrase is theologically rich and vitally important to understand but we've been taught for most of our Christian heritage that God makes an invitation to you to come and, come and be saved or come and join his team, basically. And then it's up to you to work very, very hard to follow the particular set of rules that your denomination or your church believe are, are the most important and holy. And so from the time we accepted Christ, religion teaches us that now we must incrementally inch our way closer to holiness and godliness as we try harder so that maybe towards the end of our lives or at the end of our lives, God will find us more worthy than not and therefore we'll, he'll let us in to heaven. How many of you heard that gospel preached, right? That was the gospel I grew up on. And so we scrape by by the skin of our teeth, but in the world of religion, there are a hundred million steps between the worst of sinners and the best of saints. So when you get started, somebody teaches God, you gotta slowly climb your way out and work hard, and if you are disciplined and you can claw your way, you can get close to God. But that's not the message of the gospel at all, at all. It's not a progressive fruit of works, it's an instant gift of faith. When you believe you are included in Christ, and religion assumes that it's all up to you, but the gospel proclaims that it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God so that none of you can boast. And that's why being included in Christ is so much as such a better gospel than the other one. For it teaches us that God treated Jesus as we deserved so that now he can treat us as Jesus deserved. Because when you're put into Christ, you now are treated as Christ. Very good news. So everything is yours inside of Christ and nothing is yours outside of Christ. 
This is not incremental, this is digital. You're either inside or you're outside. If you're outside, you're in trouble. If you're inside, you have already passed from death to life. 1 John 5, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and that life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. It's digital. You're either in Christ. If you believe, you're put in Christ. If you don't believe, you're not in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you have no life. There is no favor from God. There is no opportunity for you to get near God. No matter how pure you are, no matter how holy you are, no matter how ascetic your life is, no matter how disciplined you are, if you do not have Christ, if you are not in Christ, you are in a hopeless place with your head stuck in a tiny bubble, cockroaches picking at your skin. It's digital, it's precise, it's instant. And if you're in Jesus, then I know a great deal about you. And if you're not, there's nothing else that can save you. If you've been placed in Jesus, everything he achieved and endured has been credited to you. This means you were included in Jesus when he paid the price for your sin and when he was estranged from God. When God turned his face away, Jesus suffered that rejection, that rejection is no longer yours. Well, you were included when God forsook his son. You were included when Jesus died. You were included when Jesus was raised. And there are only two states that any human being can be found in. You're either in Christ you're outside of Christ. Now, I know I'm belaboring the point, but I want you to get it. Because religion has fought against this single premise and has taught us many, many years. You are a reprobate. There is nothing good. You were steeped in sin from birth, and you're a low-down, ugly sinner. And even after you come into Christ, they still preach that at you, and they are still wrong. Because you used to be holy, totally depraved. But when you came into Christ, you became totally pure. You, you, there is a digital instant transformation. Behold, everything has become new. When you came into Christ, you were completely transformed and everything is new. So the real issue is not this incremental progressive march, but a digital transformation from outside to inside Christ. You were far off, you've now been brought very near. You were an object of wrath, now you're a beloved child. You were condemned, now you have no condemnation. You, you did, used to have an Adamic nature sold as a slave to sin, now you have a Jesus nature which is created to be holy like him. You were enemies uh, of God, but now you're members of his household. You were stuck, but now you're soaring. You were temporary, now you're eternal. You were dirty, now you're clean. You were horrendous, now you're holy. You were guilty, now you're acquitted. You were imprisoned, now you're free. There is a digital change that happened in your life. And the problem with this is, is the problem with this is that religion will tell you, no, 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 that's not true of you. you you're still stuck back here. And, and if you, but if you listen to me, if you, if you just do the, if you incrementally work hard, you, you can one day attain that. And I'm here to tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ says you have attained it by faith instantly when you believed. And I'm going to prove that to you with a boatload of scripture. This comes to us gloriously and instantly when you believe. 
I like preaching this gospel. It just makes me happy. A supernatural revelation happened to you when you believed. God stepped in to do for you what you could not. A supernatural revolution happened on the inside of you the moment you believed. I remember praying the prayer and saying, God, you can have, Lord, I'll, I'll serve you. I'll give you my whole life. I, I want to serve you. And I remember weeping with the guys who were around me. And they, they, and, but when I finished it, I said, I, I'm not sure that worked. They said, why not? I said, I don't feel any different. They said, don't worry. You, you, you're in. You're fine. Go home. Over the next couple of days, I began to see a massive life transformation turn. Everything inside of me was new. I had new values, new passions, new hunger. I was ravenous for the word of God. I just wanted to be in the presence of God. Everything about me had turned. Everything about me had changed. So I wanna talk today just about two issues. Well, when you came into Christ, I wanna talk about your person. What happened to you when you came into Christ? And then I wanna talk about your position, your person and your position, and next week we'll look at your prospects. But, but what happened to you when you came into Christ? What happened in your person? And I wanna break it down for you. <clears throat> Obviously, what we're talking about is a supernatural work of God that instantly happened on the inside of you uh, the moment you believed. And when you were born again, all of this massive transformation happened on the inside of you. I'm gonna break it down into some constituent parts because we can piece this out of what the New Testament teaches us. This is by no means exhaustive, but I just wanted to get you, just, just Paul talks 164 times about what happened to you in Christ. This idea of a massive transformation is laid out in the New Testament, so I'm just gonna break it down in little bite-sized chunks, and I know we're gonna, we're gonna race through some of this, but I want you to get a feel for it because it, it is massive and it is glorious. So let's talk about your person. What happened to you in Christ? You became a brand new creation. <clears throat> so what the, the scripture clearly says. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anybody is in Christ, if you were taken out from underneath the sink and you were put in the aquarium, the moment you were put into Christ, you became a brand new creation. Behold, everything about you, the old is all gone, and behold, everything has become new. All things are new. You have become a brand, you were born again, born of the Spirit of God, a brand new nature, a, a brand new you has been installed on the inside of you. I know this is basic. For some of you, you go like, I heard this 40, 40 years ago. You know, I, no trouble for me to say the same thing to you again, Paul said. It's a safeguard for you. But some of you in this meeting, this is gonna be a helpful, helpful armor. You were crucified with Jesus, the Bible says. Not only was everything inside of you changed, but the old you, the Adamic nature, the part of you that was sold as a slave to sin was crucified with Jesus. And that's what Paul says, may I never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Understand all of these scriptures. You'll notice all the scriptures I'm using are in the past tense. When Paul's speaking about this, he's speaking about an event that happened in the past. He's not speaking about a future event. He doesn't, it's very specific in the Greek, it's an aorist tense, it's a past tense event that happened one time. When you believe this happened to you, it's not still happening and it's not going to happen, it happened. 
when you believed. You have to be clear about this. Otherwise, you go, well, well uh, I was crucified with Christ. Well, brother, you got to crucify your flesh. No, well, it was crucified. The Bible says you should reckon on the fact that it was crucified. Reckon yourselves to be dead, Paul says. But, but the, the problem, there's confusion. is that religion keeps telling you, no, you're alive. But the Bible says, no, you're dead. You're dead. Stop telling people they're alive. Tell them they're dead. Tell them to act like you're dead. So Paul says, you, you died to your sins. How can you live in them any longer? What's with that? That's what Romans 6 says. Reckon yourself to be dead. Why? Because you are. You died. Oh, brother. The sin. Yeah, I understand. Sin can easily entangle. I understand this world is devoted to that. I understand that, you, that there were some weaknesses in your old Adamic nature. I get it. I get it all. But you, you, you are dead to sin. And you are alive to God if you believed. Now reckon on that. And if we don't understand this union and baptism into Christ, we're told by religion to accomplish what the gospel clearly teaches has already been accomplished. Because in our union, it's already been accomplished in us. If we don't understand this in Christness, religion will stand eager to put yokes on you that Jesus didn't create. So we preach good news, not good advice. <laughs> sure, I preach good advice for years. <laughs> but our message echoes Jesus. You know what Jesus said? It is finished. And so we say it is done. That's our message. It's not still to be happening. It's not your hard work and hope that's going to create it. It's your faith. If you believe it is done, then it is done in you. Hallelujah. You died with Jesus, Colossians 3. For you died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. In Christ you did. We could, like, you were crucified, you were circumcised by Jesus. Jesus not only put the old you to death, but he cut away that part of you that was sold, that habit in you. That part of you that was sold as a slave to sin, the Bible says he circumcised it off you. He cut it away. It is the sign of his covenant with you. Your job now is not to go and crucify the old nature again, but to reconcile, reckon on the fact that it was killed, that the part of you that was sold as a slave to sin that didn't have a chance, that didn't have a hope, that was cut away. It's not a work. It is an issue of faith. You were buried with Jesus. Colossians 3. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You were made alive with Christ. Romans 6 talks about being buried. Since then, you were buried with Christ through baptism. Count yourselves to be dead. You were made alive with Christ. Colossians 2. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. Past tense reality. Greg, you don't know, I feel dead. Well, you're alive. See, see, the problem is, if you're not careful, what the enemy will come do, and he come put a coat on you of condemnation again. Go, wait, wait, wait. Oh, look, this fits you. Look how well it fits you. See, that's your coat. Uh oh, here's a, here's a death coat. You're not, you're not really alive. Here's death. Uh oh, 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 you, you're not really acceptable to God. Here, here, wear this coat of shame. Look, fits you well. Paul says, throw off, take off, cast aside what belonged to your old. Stop accepting condemnation. 
Stop accepting shame because if you are in Christ, no shame, no condemnation, no guilt. Dead and buried and made alive again. It's not something I have yet to work for. It's something the gospel calls me to believe. You're dead to sin. You're dead to the law. You're dead to the world. You're dead to your old life. You are dead. You are alive to God. You are alive. You have been born again for freedom. You have a brand new life. And in Christ, this is all yours. You were blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. flopping around under the sink, fending for yourself, put into Christ, suddenly you have every spiritual blessing at your disposal. Well, you know, I'm not really that gifted. Oh, I need to preach more about who you are in Christ because the Bible says in Christ you have every spiritual blessing. When I believed, when you believed, uh, I became profoundly new. And so did you. Your person became brand new. And from that moment onwards, you were in Christ. And for as long as you pursue him, as long as you, 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 as long as you remain in him, all of these realities are your portion. So Peter says, make all, every effort to make sure that this calling and election are sure. Just, just stick around. Uh, Jesus said, abide in the vine. If, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear much fruit. This is to my Father's glory. See, Jesus' expression of who he is, he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I'm the head, you're the body. Everything about the kingdom is built so that you and Jesus are connected. And for as long as you and Jesus remain connected, all of this beauty is yours. And when you came into Christ by faith, people say, Greg, do you believe you can, you can lose your salvation? <clears throat> I, I don't think so. But I know that the way I came into salvation is by faith. If there was a way out of salvation, it would be by denying that he is the Christ. So don't do that. Let's not do that. See, I was worshiping this morning. I was going, Lord, you're worthy of everything. And you know why? Because he did everything. Because he achieved everything. Because he won every victory. And because in him I have it all. I have access to authority. I have access. My whole being, your whole being, was ignited and transformed. And you have become new. And if we're preaching about who we are in Christ, it's time that you and out of your mouth you started to say the things that are true about who you are. Whether you feel them or not. This is who I am in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am a beloved child of my Father. I 
am highly favored. I am seated in heavenly places. I am gifted with every blessing. I am a favored of my Father. I hear the voice of my God. When I start to step into the reality, when I, when I realize this is who I am, I start to proclaim it. I start to walk in it. I start to believe it. And it is made manifest instantly in my life and in yours. And it's not a work of the flesh. It's a function of my faith and your faith. It's who I am. It's who you are. And if you, came, if you said, Jesus, you can have my life. I believe you. I'm trusting you to be my savior. From that second onwards, you were radically transformed. Oh, and I, I, I can promise you the enemy is going to come and want to put a cloak of condemnation on you. Go, oh, no, no, no. It may be good for them, but for you, no, no, no. And I just want to tell you, it's time. Some people in this meeting, Sheila had a word just while we were worshiping, said that some, the Lord was saying, I've come to take condemnation off people. There's some people here, you need to hear this. So let's talk about your position just very quickly. Your person changed, but your position also changed. You were radically far away. You've been brought radically near. Because the Bible says you were baptized into Christ. You were submerged into Christ. This is a work that done by the Holy Spirit. And he took you when you believed and he submerged you. This is what Corinthians 12 says. You were all baptized into one body uh, and have been made for by one spirit. You were baptized into one body and you've all been made to drink of that one spirit. The Holy Spirit took you submerged you into Jesus, and he lives on the inside of you. So not only are you filled with Jesus, but you're in Jesus as well. That's what Jesus said, Christ in me. And I said, the Father in me and I in you. Well, there'll be a unity. Jesus is in you, and you're in Jesus. You are surrounded. You are safe. You are saved. Not only did the Holy Spirit submerge you into Jesus, but then he sealed you in Jesus. That's what Ephesians 1.13 says. Understand again, I just don't want you to miss this. This is all in the past tense. You were. This happened to you when you believed. You were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation, and having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. <laughs> Submerged and sealed by the Holy Spirit, having believed. And your definition has radically changed. Who you are in Christ needs to start to become your confession. We need to step into who we are in Christ by expectation and bold corresponding actions. I am who he says I am. No matter what my past says, no matter what the accuser says, especially no matter what condemnation says, because the Bible says you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified. That's Corinthians 6, 6 11. Again, past tense, this all happened to you. You were cleaned, you were made holy, you were declared innocent because you came into Christ. But Greg, I haven't yet done all, everything I'm doing is holy. No, it's not about a work, although that's good. Do your best to walk well. Do your best to honor Jesus. Throw off what is unrighteous. Train yourself towards godliness. All of that effort is a good thing, but never let the, the admonitions to walk well before God take your eyes off from the truth that when you came into Christ, you were washed, you were made holy, and you were declared eternally innocent. That wasn't a function of your flesh. That was a function of your faith. Now, because you're holy, walk holy. 
Don't walk in sin and foolishness. That's just hurtful to you and to people around you. Don't do that. For the first time in your life, you can obey that admonition. Because previously, you had no hope because you were sold as a slave to sin. But now that you have been radically altered, for the first time in your life, you have a choice to say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not a slave to sin. That old sinful nature has been cut away from me. I no longer, I'm a brand new creation. The, the nature inside me, this is the nature of Jesus. <laughs> There's no condemnation for you. Romans 8. Because Ephesians 4 says, you were chosen by God in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In him, Ephesians 1.11, you were chosen. In him, you were given light and understanding. And there's a bunch of scriptures, 1 John 5, 2 Corinthians 4. In him, you were given grace. I always thank God for you because of the grace given to you in Christ Jesus. The 2 Timothy 1.9, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus. See, Paul said, this grace was given me in Jesus before the beginning of time, but I wasn't available before the beginning of time. But God put it into Jesus, and when I came into Jesus, it all became mine. It all became yours, because the gift is not in you, it's in Christ. And when you come into Christ, everything changes. So the big deal, the big stinking deal, is are you in Christ? And if you are, then I have great news for you. Everything is yours. Because what Paul says, all things are yours. All things are yours. Why? Because you're in Christ. And all things are his. So when you came into Christ, everything Christ endured has now become your portion. Everything Christ won has become your inheritance. You were raised and seated with him in heavenly places. What's my position? I'm seated in heaven. You're seated in heaven if you're in Christ. Well, I think I'm stuck down here in the lowest of the low. No, you're seated with the highest of the high. Before him, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. There's no one greater than him. And you were seated because you're in him. I'm just reading the scriptures. And God raised us up with Christ, past tense, and seated us, past tense, with him, in the heavenly realms, in Christ. in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. <laughs> I promise you one day when we're past all of this life and we're in heaven and I'm there and you're going to see me and when God opens up my life and you all see the, the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, the secrets of my heart as the scripture says, then you are going to hold up the scripture and just go, you told us about this. You told us this day was coming because on that day you're going to see the incomparable riches of God's grace to me and his kindness that he expressed to me in Jesus. And you're going to look at me and you're going to look at him and you're just going to start worshiping him and say, how kind you are, Lord. And I'm going to do the same for you. Because it's not about your effort and it's not about your obedience, although those are important. It's about his work. And when you believed in his work, it became real for you. You are in Christ having believed. And because you're in Christ, 
Everything about your person and everything about your position is different. Now here comes the rub. The moment, when you preach this, everybody goes, amen, that is theologically sound. And then you say, now why don't you live? Why don't you expect? Why don't you step out as though that's real? No, no, you go too far. Now you go too far. Why don't you live like you're under the cascading favor of God? Why don't you live like his goodness and his loving kindness are chasing you down for the rest of your life? Why don't you live as though the massive grace of God is extended to you and will never be not extended to you? Why don't you live as though you're highly favored? Why don't you live as though you're seated with Jesus on his throne and you are gifted with every spiritual blessing and you have the mind of Christ and you have the authority of his name? Why don't you live there? Now you got too far. It's time for us, people. It's time for us to understand who we are in Christ and to appropriate. This is who I am. This is who you are in Christ. And every now and again, the enemy comes and goes, your your deeds were not perfect. I go, my deeds don't have to be. I'm not relying on my deeds. I'm relying on his deeds. And his deeds were perfect. You didn't sacrifice enough for God. I know, but it's not my sacrifice that's necessary. It's his sacrifice that's important. And that's the one I'm trusting. You're in Christ. Now Paul says, listen, test yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Because if you're in, you're in. There's a door. On this side of the door is every blessing, all the riches of God, all the favor of God, all the love of God expressed and poured out. This side of the doorway, every imaginable, imaginable blessing. On this side of the door, death, depravity, anger, hatred. The door is Jesus. When you step in, on the inside of the door, it says, in Christ. On the outside, You're not, you're out. When you stepped into Christ and the door was shut behind you by the Holy Spirit, you were sealed in Christ. There is this unimaginable inheritance for you. And most believers kind of sneak their way next to the doorway and stand there in shame like, I don't belong here. But you don't realize everything about you has become new. Some people in this room, you've never given your life to the Lord. You've never said, Jesus, you can have all of me. Lock, stock, and barrel. I'll give you it all. And really, if you're flopping around on the, under a sink with your head in some dirty water, what have you got to lose, really? I'll tell you what you've got to gain. Everything. Everything. Life, abundance, intimacy, love. 
And some people are going, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm in Christ. Either one of those, I'm going to pray a prayer. Let's make sure. Let's sort it out today. Let's fix it. So if that's you, pray this prayer. And God will hear. Lord, I come to you. And I say, Jesus, I believe. I believe that you are God. I, I believe that you died to pay for my sins. And that your death was enough for all of my sin, all of my shame, all of my lunacy. And what a dream, Lord, it would be to be forgiven completely, to be brought near to you. So here I come, Lord. I believe. And I'm asking you to come into my life and be my Lord, be my Savior. Change me completely. I give you everything I have. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I'm going to ask you to come up um, to the ministry team afterwards. And Tom, Tom will be here as well. There's Tom sitting right over there. We have a, a gift we'd like to give you. It's a little Bible which is going to help you. And there's some, some material that are going to help you in your, in your first few weeks of your Christian walk. It's a bunch of things in there. That we'd, and we'd love to just pray with you. And Tom and the team will be there just ministering to you. So if you want to make sure if that was you, you prayed that prayer, come and speak to Tom. He'll make a difference in your life. So grateful. Um, so looking forward to the rest of the series. And thank you for coming out. Uh, keep inviting your friends. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing what God will do in the days that lie ahead. Something profound is coming. There is, a, there is a move of God coming on this nation that I believe. I've believed it for 25 years now, ever since the Lord first spoke to us about coming to this nation. I've sold and invested and bet my family and my future on that reality. I think there is a move of God coming to these United States that has never been seen I know this country's seen some, some great awakenings. This country's been a home to many revivals. But there's one coming that we ain't seen nothing yet. And so uh, let's just keep, let's keep praying for that. Yeah, there's, a, there's, a, there's something coming that's going to transform the nation.